Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, friends of animals out in Radio Land, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I hope you're enjoying this lovely Mother's Day weekend. And if you've forgotten that tomorrow is Mother's Day, you can thank me for getting you back on track. We certainly don't want to forget our moms. And speaking of moms, did you know that there are hundreds of mama cats and dogs with their babies in local shelters that need temporary fostering, just long enough for the puppies and kittens and their mothers to be ready to go into permanent homes. Madeline Bernstein from SPCALA will be here shortly to explain how you can help if you have it in your heart. And after our halftime break, Carrie Lodenberg will be stopping by to talk about a book written by dogs. Well, that's what she says anyway. But they are the authors according to the book. I can't wait to hear how this all transpired. So stay right where you are because this and more are coming right up after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now from L.A. SPCA is Madeline Bernstein. Good morning, Madeline, and welcome back to our program. Good morning, and thanks for inviting me back. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the show today because tomorrow is Mother's Day, and with that in mind, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about companion animal mothers Mm -hmm. who need our help, and I couldn't imagine a better person to talk to on the subject than you. (laughs) Thank you. You have a big foster program at LASPCA, so I was wondering if you could give us a little introduction about it. Sure. Um, Our foster program has a few pieces to it. One, as you know, we get newborns uh, that either arrive at the shelter with their moms or arrive at the shelter without their moms. So one segment of our foster care is dealing with the pediatric uh, babies, and particularly when they're arriving without their moms, mm-hmm. it, for you mothers out there, it's like having a baby at home. They need to eat every couple of hours, Ooh, and they yeah. have to be bottle-fed, and, and there's that. We also have um, a foster program, part of the foster program for animals that have been victims of animal cruelty or have been in the shelter for a while who need uh, extra socialization, extra love and affection, or just a break. And so those animals can also go out on foster for a little bit of help. And then the third thing is we have long-term foster programs for our domestic violence program. Um, As you know, victims of domestic violence, whether male or female, uh, very often won't leave a pet behind, Mm -hmm. uh, and also in cases of elder abuse, they won't leave their pet behind. So those, we intervene there so that they can get help, and those pets need foster care, usually for longer periods of time, between 6 and 12 weeks while they're in crisis shelter. So the 
people who go into a crisis shelter cannot take their pets with them then? Correct. Yeah, correct. Uh, It's like during a disaster and things like that. These places are set up for people. They're not set up for multiple animals, for people with allergies, for just the cleaning, you know, and maintenance of a pet. So very often they can't leave if they have to leave their pet behind. And that's never good for the pet, for them, and for their children who think, "Oh, oh, my, you know, if, if if the next time we have to leave, I could be the one left behind. Right, right. Oh my goodness, I I hadn't even given that any thought about that that third program. And mm-hmm. my goodness, what a great thing that you offer that. And do you promote that on the website, or yes, we do you do. promote that also with the the shelters for people so that they know that that service is available? Absolutely. The program is called Animal Safety Net. We actually started it in the '90s. We were the first shelter to run something like this. Um, it's written into the 800 script, the 800 phone number scripts. When people call for domestic violence shelters, they're already primed to ask the question oh, uh, about if there's a pet. And now, you know, in 2015, um, there are now, you know, it's, it, the, the concept and the need for this has caught on. And so there are websites, you know, all over the country now where you can find places that will help you deal with this no matter what state you're in. But for a long time we were getting... Um, clients from Florida, from, uh, you know, far away places where there was no place where they could safeguard their pet. And this is typically not a function of animal control because, you know, it's long-term holding. Mm Mm-hmm. So you need volunteers for all three types of programs. Right. How could somebody volunteer if they were interested in helping out? Well, they would look on our website and at spcala.com, and mm-hmm. they would go to the Become a Volunteer section. And there, um, there would be an application online and, and different things that are available. I mean, we use volunteers for everything. Um, so if they're going to be um, working with the pediatrics, um, there's also special training involved for that because um, there's more to just bottle feeding than dealing with a newborn. Oh, sure. And so they learn, you know, they will learn all about that. And plus, there's special supplies that we have to give them, form, you know, special formula, things like that. If somebody is fostering a tiny little baby puppies or kittens, and they have a veterinary emergency. How do they handle that? Do they need to go to their own vet and pay up front and then get reimbursed? Or is there a special place that they take them? How how would they handle an emergency if they were volunteering? It it varies on where they are and what the emergency is. Very often they call us first and one of our vets, you know, or vet techs will say, go to the nearest vet and, you know, we will cover the cost or take it to the nearest vet that we have a relationship with if they're in the area so that we automatically get billed um, or bring, you know, bring bring the dog or the cat right in uh, and we'll take care of it right here. Sometimes what looks like an emergency to a foster parent may not necessarily be a, a, an emergency that we, we couldn't handle or that our vets recognize right away is mm-hmm. is very normal. I mean, you know, to the mothers out there, the first time you had a newborn child, um, you know, you would call the doctor every five minutes because <laughs> you went from zero to he's going to die, you know, in no time at all. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, part of that is also just differentiating like a real situation from a normal one that just scares the foster parent. Okay, that makes sense. And so there is a support system and 
no matter what time it is, they could probably get a hold of somebody? Yes, okay. yes. They have. They get all that information, and they'll usually reach a tech, um, or they can be told, you know, go directly to this particular hospital, you know, that we have a relationship where near where you live, and then just say it's an SPCILA, you know. Okay. Let's uh, foster say pet. somebody takes in a litter of kittens or puppies, uh, either with or without their mother, about how old are the animals before they are ready to be adopted out? Um, usually they're holding them uh, till they're about six to eight weeks old. Okay. Um, they would be ready to bring the, the kitten or the puppy back around six or eight weeks. Um, at that point, they would be ready to uh, be, have spay-neuter surgery, and they'd be ready to be placed uh, in adoptions. Okay. So that... You know, and 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 it's easier. You know, remember, um, if there's a mother with them, then a lot of the work is done by the mother, and okay. there's just sort of routine maintenance. If you're being the mother, then it's a different type of experience, and also some of the questions you'll be asked: Do you have other pets at home, mm-hmm. and can the foster pets be segregated from your pets? Right. Um, and that's, you know, obviously to protect your pets, too, because babies, you know, sometimes will have things wrong with them, sure. you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want to give it to uh, your pet. Now, it's really important also, if you're going to be fostering these little ones, that you handle them a lot so that they become very social and, and very interested in being uh, around people. Because if you get a litter of kittens, even if it's with their mom and you're thinking the mom's taking care of them, if you don't handle the kittens a lot, they could become quite wild, actually. Well, right. Socialization is part of the training that you're going to get and becomes, you know, it's particularly more difficult and takes a little bit more work to accomplish with puppies because, you know, at that age, they're not vaccinated mm-hmm. yet. So obviously you're always told don't take them outside, and pub- don't take them to dog parks, don't take them to places where other animals can shed um, viruses and other things. Well, so how do you socialize them? Mm-hmm. So those things, you know, they take a little bit of work, particularly with puppies, um, in, in taking them places that are safe, you know, where you can um, not worry about those types of things, but give them the socialization that they need. Otherwise, you know, you, you have problems. And it's so important to do it at that young age, really important to do it at right. that young age, so that they are mentally balanced and, and socialized. And they're learning how to be good house pets, too, because we want all of these uh, puppies and kittens to live in the house and and not be outdoor pets like so many people do with their animals. They'll get a a puppy and they'll just leave it out in the backyard, which is just so cool as far as I'm concerned. They want to be with their families. They don't want to be segregated out in the backyard all alone. Well, right. I mean, and and what's... You know, what's the advantage? Uh, Typically people think that that they'll make great watchdogs if they're just tied up outside all day, but what happens in reality is they become completely unsocialized, and the first person they bite is going to be a family member that goes out. Right, exactly. So it really, I mean, that's not what we mean when we talk about making a pet a part of your family or fostering the human-animal bond. Right, so a foster family can teach a pet all these great manners, how to be a good indoor pet, so that they're basically perfectly ready to go into a new home and continue being an indoor, well-behaved, well-mannered pet. And it's a great opportunity sometimes for people who live in places where they can't actually have a pet all the time. This is a great thing where you can actually help and have a pet for a few weeks at a time 
and sometimes your landlord will agree to that, and you know, other times your family <laughs> will yeah, agree to that, definitely. or your travel schedule is such that you know you're you can't handle a pet full time, but you can for a couple of weeks out of the year. So there's a lot of advantages to it. Win win for everybody. Mm-hmm. About how many dogs and cats do you think come into the system each year that need fostering? Oh, you know, a lot. I mean, t- you know, sometimes we will have. Um, during the course of the year, anywhere between four to 700 animals that have been part of the foster system. Wow. And so it, it really is a lot um, when you think about it, um, just a lot. And remember, you're not only helping these pets, as you said, you know, socialize and become wonderful family pets, but if they're in your house, then I have another cage available for another animal that needs help. So you're really helping an animal on the way in and an animal on the way out. That's a great way to put it. Okay, before I let you go, because we only have a few seconds, let's give out your website one more time. Sure. It's spcala.com. And remember, there's no national umbrella SPCA, no chapters, no SPCA is related to any other SPCA in the country. SPCALA.com. Wonderful. <laughs> and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Anytime. We need to take a quick break now, but when we return, we'll be chatting with two Carries about a couple of dogs who wrote their very own book. So keep your radio tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll find out more. <laughs> We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and joining us now is Carrie number one and Carrie number two, Miss Lobenberg and Miss Sherman. Good morning, and welcome to the Pet Place. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to have you both here. I I met you both at Pet Expo, and you had a a really charming book there written by your two dogs, which I have to say I am very impressed. I have never met dogs who can write a book. They are are very talented. We're so proud. (laughs) Okay. Well, tell me the whole story. How did you two meet, and how did your dogs collaborate on this book? Okay, this is Carrie number one, and we actually met because our dogs met at the dog park, and they became fast and furious friends. So, of course, Carrie and I were um, put in a position where we had to talk to each other, and we became friends, and we found out we had the same sense of humor, the same name, which was the added bonus. Uh And so just meeting day after day at the dog park and just um, watching all the fun things that happened, our friendship happened, and then the book happened. Wow. Okay, so you you see all kinds of crazy things happening at the dog park that are oh, fun yeah. and humorous, and is that what inspired you, well, your dogs, to write a story? Yes, absolutely. We <laughs> would just sit there and watch our dogs do hilarious things. We'd watch other dogs do things or other dog owners, and we just, you know, we'd sit and giggle and just watch all these things, and we, you know, just kept saying, oh, my God, this would make a hilarious book, or, oh, my God, we should write these down. And then one day I just decided, you know what, instead of sitting here talking about it, let's just do it. So I researched a publisher, and I found us an illustrator, and I came to the park one day, and I said, Carrie, we're writing a book. And she looked at me stunned, 
like deer in the headlights, but then, you know, within a couple of minutes, she was like, okay, let's do it, and the book was born. <laughs> okay, so what is the book actually called? The book is called True Tales from the Dog Park. Okay, and without giving away too much, can you tell me one of your favorite stories from the book, or a little excerpt? Sure, absolutely. Actually, I'm going to quote my eight-year-old niece, Cecilia, who read the book to give me her um, thumbs up okay on it, (laughs) The Poop Story. Uh Uh-oh, okay. My dog, Max, has a little quirky behavior where he occasionally, depending on his mood and the different dog, will eat another dog's poop at the dog park. No! (laughs) Every dog parent's nightmare. (laughs) It really is. But the funny part is, it's not all poop. It's specific poop. Uh Uh-oh. And I always ask the owners, and you must feed your dog well because he has a very um, high-quality taste buds. Okay, I I guess that's a compliment. (laughs) In a very roundabout way. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so so that made it into the book. (laughs) Absolutely. Somehow poop is always a good story. Okay. From the 8-year-old reviewer's position. (laughs) So would you say this is a book that people of all ages, if they're readers, can enjoy, or or maybe can little kids who aren't quite reading yet, can you read the book to them and they would enjoy it as well? Absolutely. We originally wrote the book basically to amuse us and our fellow dog lover friends, dog park friends. Mm -hmm. But as we were um, doing reviews and giving it to our friends and families and neighbors and nieces and nephews, we realized um, kids really got a kick out of it. And um, and could read it because it was family friendly, and all the stories and the illustrations are adorable. That we've really become a more family friendly type of book. Okay, well you're you're promoting the book with your two dogs who actually give potographs when you go on tour with them, and they have writer's credit on the book. Tell me how that all happened. Well, the book is all written from the dog's perspective. Ah, uh, okay thought that if the dogs could talk, they would have a lot to say. Mm -hmm. So all the stories are really from the dog's perspective, all the advice and the tips. And um, so, of course, they have to have the writer's credit. We're actually just their handlers or attendants, depending (laughs) on Slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, so do they get to go to the dog park regularly then? We go pretty much every day. Oh, nice. Okay, so even though you're now, uh, or or your dogs are now celebrities, you still have time to enjoy the simple pleasures of life. Absolutely. Actually, it really works out well. We've been doing book signing events and different store events every weekend since our book has come out, and we always arrange to visit the local dog park. Oh, yay. That's nice. So do you have a a Facebook page or a website where people can log on and find out where you'll be so they can meet your dogs and you. (laughs) Tell us about that. We have a website. It's www.kariandcarey.com. I think you need to change that to carry one and carry two. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been easier to do it that way. We weren't really thinking about it. Okay, and and they could go onto the website, and and you were saying you also have Facebook? 
Yes, we also have a Facebook page, and it's Max and Luther Publications. Okay, so the dogs get their name in on that one then. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we've learned. We were pretty much newbies at the website, Facebook, Instagram when we started this mm-hmm. process, and we have come a long way. Awesome. And you're on Instagram and YouTube, so do you have some funny videos on YouTube? We definitely have some funny videos on YouTube. One of my favorite is we um, entered a contest at one of the charity walks that we did recently. Mm-hmm. It was a peanut butter eating contest. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so we show Max competing to win, to come in second place, unfortunately, at the peanut butter eating contest. Hey, second place is pretty darn good. Congratulations. Well, thank you. We were a little disappointed because he lost by a half a lick. Aww. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sure. Was this Max or Luther? What? Hello? Was that Max? Oh, that was Luther. That was Luther. That was actually Max that lost by half a lick. Luther um, was a big old peanut butter mess. Luther and I had peanut butter everywhere. (laughs) It it didn't go so well. Well, the great thing for dogs is they don't care if they've won first place, second place, or last place, as long as they get the peanut butter. Well, seeing as how they don't get treats or whatever, the peanut butter was a a huge (laughs) Okay, so tell me if our readers want to read more about the adventures of Max and Luther. How can they get a copy of your book? Well, they can absolutely read more about Max and Luther. We're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And on our website, CarrieAndCarrie.com, the boys blog um, every week. And we blog as well so they can get a you know, little snippet of what's going on currently okay. um, with what we're doing. And we're also... Book two is going to be coming out October first. Book so two, wow, a sequel! Holy moly, they have the boys have a lot to say. So um, yes, book two is coming along as we speak. Ah, uh, that is very cool. And I know that you guys are both big animal enthusiasts and try and help and give back to animals who are still looking for their forever families. And I'm wondering, do you do anything with your book sales to help the little furry Um, friends? In the San Diego area, we team up with the San Diego Humane Society at our um, book signing events, and we donate a portion of the book sales to the San Diego Humane Society. And then when we venture into other areas, up into Orange County in the L.A. area, we find a local um, rescue organization in that area to team up with, and they come to our events, and we do the same thing like we do with the Humane Society where we donate to their um, to their organization as well. We feel it's a win-win. We get to, um, you know, meet new people out and about, and we have a good cause, and, you know, it just it's, it's super fun. We love being out and about with our dogs and helping other dogs find homes and getting taken care of and that's wonderful. Yeah, and we I, have a blast. We I, love it. That's very cool. And I know you're also trying to help people who have pets already who like to do things with their animals. I know you do a lot of traveling with Max and Luther. And you're writing some articles on where people can go with their pets and and dog-friendly restaurants and locations. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and tell us, are you reviewing these places? In an essence, Max and Luther are indeed reviewing different places that we go. We actually, um, as I mentioned, we always visit the local dog parks at every one of our events. And we came across um, 
a, a magazine, the OC Pet Magazine and the Desert Pet Magazine, who are interested in publishing a series of articles with Max and Luther's reviews oh, on different nice. dog parks and restaurants that we go to. Mm-hmm. And so we've had uh, the first article was published in the March issue of the OC Pet Magazine, and we're going to be doing four or five more of those. Okay. And for the Desert Pet Magazine, which is out in Palm Springs, our first um, article will be out for the summer issue. Outstanding. And do you think you'll put some of this also on the website and just start having a regular review of all the places that you've been to? Um, yes, we had talked about that. There's a link to the articles we have currently written, but we were also thinking about um, expanding our blog to include um, San Diego and L.A. areas that we're not already writing about in the magazine articles. Outstanding. I know so many people are always looking for places to take their animals that are high quality, that are safe, that are welcoming. So if they have a nice source of information from Carrie Number 1 and Carrie Number 2 and Max and Luther, that would be very, very appealing. And, and who knows, that might even become a book for you, too, or for well, Max and Luther. Actually, now that you mention it, our third book that we have planned is going to be Travels with Max and Luther, where we go through Southern California. Awesome. Well, Carrie Number 1 and Carrie Number 2, it sounds like Max and Luther are having the time of their lives with you, and I hope you'll keep us informed about all your upcoming adventures. And thanks so much for stopping by the show today. Thank you so much for having us. It is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Mark your calendars for Saturday, May 16th for Labs and More Big Extravaganza Bark at the Bay Benefit. Join the volunteers, dogs, and supporters for dinner, music, wine tasting, open bar, live and silent auctions, and raffles. The event will be at the Baja Room in Marina Village, located at 1936 Quivira Way in beautiful San Diego. Tickets and more information can be found at www.labsandmore.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio, and that's all one word. That's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay new to your pets and have a wonderful day.